This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. A new study claims the presence of shale-encased fossils of multicellular organisms dating from the glacial period indicates pockets of complex life survived in slushy oases further from the equator than formerly believed, advancing models of how life evolved through the period. So, how about you shut up about it, okay? Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. I am so torn on this story. So a plus size influencer, a plus size influencer, a fat lady influencer. Uh, she is uh, obese. Uh, so she's a plus size influencer who goes by J-Bay, J-A-E-B-A-E. And I, I'm not familiar with J-Bay, and she, but she is a plus size influencer, okay? So she has started a petition demanding airlines give fat flyers as many free extra seats as they need to ensure their comfort. <laughs> I'm torn because I want to say, yeah, I've got a, my gut, you know, that one. <laughs> uh, my gut says, yeah, uh, how about that? Let's, uh, let's make that happen. Now, that's not going to happen. Uh, she's demanding that the FAA and airlines give fat flyers as many free extra seats as they need to accommodate their girth. Now, I don't know what J-Bay weighs. Uh, I'm, she looks to be about three feet tall and about four or 500 pounds. So I don't know. I'm just going by the picture I'm seeing right now. I don't know how tall she is. I don't know how what her weight is. I just know that she is a plus size influencer. And to me, she looks to be about three feet tall, four or 500 pounds. So <laughs> that's a, that's a big, that's two or three seats right there. There's a picture of her on an airline. It looks like coach seating where she's taking up a seat and a half. So, I mean, you know, really two seats. Okay. Because she's leaning up against the window. And so we're looking at two seats. I will say, that my seatbelt extender would not work. I mean, I guess I would because she could hook it up into the second seat and bring it over and hook it up to the first seat. So it probably would. Uh, wouldn't work. I, who knows? I don't know if this extenders would work. She may need two seatbelt extenders. It's been a while since I've flown, but I still do have my seatbelt extender because I got tired of asking for one. And everybody's, we've been over that. I got tired of asking for one. Oh, we need an extender here. Extender, extender. So I just have it with me now uh, in my carry-on luggage. (laughs) Now, apparently this petition has garnered about 5,000 signatures. I think the signatures are from people like me that are like, yeah, let's do that. But uh, it's not going to happen. I mean, the airlines have a weight limit. They have to... uh, stabilize the weight on the planes to fly they're not good <laughs> it's just not gonna happen okay and uh 
I know the comments uh, at for this particular story were like, oh, so if you're overweight that you can't fit in an airplane seat, maybe you should consider, you know, trying to lose some weight. Well, maybe she has a glandular problem. Maybe she can't. <laughs> and of course, uh, nobody is responsible for their, uh, nobody is personally responsible for anything they do. So don't worry about it. All right. So that could be happening. That should be coming down the pike. Speaking of not being responsible for anything they do, I see a tweet from Anthony Bass, uh, at Anthony Bass 52. He is a pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, I believe. And his tweet is a picture of two kids, which uh, I'm guessing are his because his tweet says, the flight attendant at United just made my 22-week pregnant wife traveling with a five-year-old and a two-year-old get on her hands and knees to pick up the popcorn mess by my youngest daughter. Are you kidding me? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. Okay, so a couple things with this. I'm guessing that he probably isn't on the flight with them. Uh, He's, you know, he's playing baseball. Uh, But the picture is of the two kids from across the aisle. So I'm guessing the wife took the picture of the two kids uh, across the aisle from her. Now, um, here you go. There's so much to this story. And it has the popcorn underneath the seats and around the seats of the kids. Why did the kids not pick it up? Why not? The kids both have tablets and their phones and their headphones on. How about you get the five-year-old to pick up the popcorn and have the two-year-old help a little? Huh? Just a quick jump down and pick up the popcorn for a little bit of fun on the airline. How about that? The pregnant wife didn't have to get down to do that. Secondly, I'm not sure that being pregnant is an illness, but okay. You know, I I, I get it. It's okay. Uh, 22 weeks, not that far along. I'm I'm guessing uh, you can still work out, do a little exercising. Not a big deal, picking up some popcorn. Now, of course, United has to reply. So, hey, they said, we certainly understand your concern and we'd like to look into this. Would you have a moment? Please DM your wife's confirmation number along with any additional details regarding her interaction with this crew member. So we'll see what United does. Now, in the feed, uh, so many comments are so great. Uh, One comment uh, that he actually replied to, uh, genuinely curious, who should clean up the mess your two-year-old made? As a parent of three kids, I am the one responsible for them. He replied, the cleaning crew they hire. Wow. Okay. (laughs) No, Anthony, uh, that's not the correct answer Uh -uh. i realize you have the cleaning people at the house and you probably uh, drop your car off to be cleaned uh waxed and it's ready to go for you when you're done at the ballpark and uh, the wife has the uh, cleaning crew come in the yard people come in at the house but the kids need to maybe have just a tad just a tad bit of responsibility A lot of people said they were going to start flying United. Now, one of the stories talked about how the flight attendant had given the kids the popcorn. So it was like her fault because she was being nice and giving the kids the popcorn. Well, okay, so uh, the mom said it was okay, right? I mean, the, the flight attendant didn't just say, here, have some popcorn. Don't worry about what your mom says. It's all yours. Make as big a mess as you want. Uh, maybe if the kids started dropping popcorn all over the place, maybe mom could have said, Hey, 
why don't you stop now? You're getting it everywhere. Get down and pick it up a little bit. How about that? <laughs> uh, just really, really strange. And then I saw the one comment, bro, you're in the MLB and you made your pregnant wife fly coach with two quick kids. That's the real crime. <laughs> So it's just amazing to me when you talk about uh, no one has to be personally responsible for anything any longer. And this is exactly an example of that. Hey, um, my kids made a mess. You asked my wife, hey, can you clean up? I don't think the flight attendant said, hey, pregnant lady. Your kids made a mess. You need to get down on the floor of the airplane and pick up the popcorn. No, I'm sure the flight attendant asked, Hey, can we pick up this popcorn that's all over the place, all over the airplane? And maybe the kids could hop down and pick it up. It doesn't look that bad, actually. Uh, I mean, it's popcorn uh, all over underneath the little two-year-old seat and on the seat and everything. But it definitely looks like the kid is used to having uh, things done for them. And uh, would not even, I mean, they're still playing on their tablet. And mom is, uh, it's a, it's coach, but it's two seats on one side. So mom must be sitting on the aisle. It's her taking the picture. And uh, maybe you just have the kids uh, unbuckle and uh, get down and pick up the popcorn real quick like a rabbit. And uh, get it done and you can hop back up in the seat. Okay. All right. So Anthony. Um, maybe you ought to chill a little bit, bro. And, uh, I know you're a major league baseball player and you're expected, you have expected everything to be done for you, uh, at all times, but no, uh, the kids need to pick up their own messes. Okay. Now his last tweet, uh, last night was of his child with a giant bag of skinny pop popcorn. I'm sorry, not a giant bag, a family size, uh, bag of skinny pop popcorn and she's smiling and she's got the big bag because she knows she doesn't have to pick it up if it gets all over the place he said the tweet before that uh thank you uh, everyone for the support yeah no we're not on your side anthony sorry about it <laughs> not on your side but you're welcome uh if you think we are uh united airlines is taking care of matters with the flight attendant internally so that's actually kind of good because that means uh there's nothing happening uh united is taking care of it internally which means uh, no, uh, we're not taking care of it. Take care. Uh, Anthony, take a hike. Okay. Uh, one last comment about today's incident. Uh, United provided the popcorn, not my wife. Yeah, we know that. Uh, we, we know that that was part of the story, Tony. And, uh, you know, your wife had to okay the deal. Uh, it wasn't just, Hey, I'm going to sneak you some popcorn so you can get it all over the place. Your wife had to okay the deal. So, being sad about her bending down to pick up the popcorn. Nope. Sorry about it. Kids should have done it. And if she did it, then that's her problem. Not yours, not United's, not mine. It does say a lot about the airlines, though. Uh, they don't really clean them after every flight, right? Those quick turnarounds on the flights. They, I'm pretty sure they get a like a just a quick walk through, pick up the trash, see if there's anything extra. So leaving all that popcorn all over the floor is not going to happen because there isn't a cleaning crew that comes in and disinfects the plane 
every time it lands before it takes off. We've all gotten on planes before where there's been some kind of little napkin or Kleenex or something in the little, uh, in the little pocket in front of us, the back of the seat in front of us. And that means that there has not been a cleaning crew come through. So Anthony, if you're willing to pay, uh, for a cleaning crew to come through every time your family takes a, takes a flight, I'm sure United would be okay with that. <laughs> you know what? Just fly private, Anthony. Then everything will be okay. I'm not sure what your contract is with the Blue Jays. Maybe you have to sign a new one before you can fly private. Okay? All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. <laughs> So last weekend was the first weekend of Coachella. Uh, Today, if you're listening live, is the 18th of April, 2023. So next weekend, the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd is the second weekend of Coachella. But they were fined some big bucks uh, this past weekend. $117,000 for breaking the city curfew all three nights. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so... Indio, California is a little unhappy and they have curfew violations. Representatives for the city uh, confirmed that the festival was supposed to wrap up by midnight on Sunday night, but Frank Ocean's headline set went over by roughly 25 minutes. Additionally, Coachella also broke the 1 a.m. Pacific curfew on Friday and Saturday by 25 minutes and 22 minutes, uh, 25 on Friday, 22 on Saturday. The fines are part of the agreement between the city of Indio and Golden Voice. And that took into effect back in 2013. It, uh, the fines are, if you go five minutes past curfew, will result in a daily fine of $20,000. Every minute after that costs $1,000 per minute. The fine goes towards Indio's general fund, which is used for operating costs, public works, and the police and fire departments. Uh-huh. But that's what they say. Okay, that's where that's where the money goes. <laughs> I don't know that anybody's seen any documentation on that. I'm not claiming anything. I'm just saying that's what they say. Uh huh. So uh, apparently, uh, that's a big problem for uh, Coachella. So if you're going this weekend out there in Indio, California, know that it's going to wrap up at the time it's supposed to. Otherwise, they're paying a lot of money. I'll be surprised. I don't know that uh, if uh, they just take it out of the the uh, the artist. I mean, I'm sure Frank Ocean will probably, you know, give him some money for the, you know, breaking the curfew. He know the deal. Well, I mean, the artists know you got to be done by midnight and he gets all hot and heavy. Somebody from Ocean's crew is like, cut him off. And then the night before too, the other two nights, they, they lose money because uh, they didn't break curfew or they broke curfew. So that's a good deal on Indio's part. That was a good deal for them to sign that. <laughs> uh, no doubt about that. Okay. So, um, uh, The Writers Guild, the Writers Guild of America voted overwhelmingly to authorize a strike if no deal has been made by May 1st. They overwhelmingly authorize a strike. So get ready for television and movies to, you know, take a little little heyday because without the writers, they can't do anything. (laughs) So a vote of 9,020 which is 97.85% in favor and 198 opposed. 
total ballots cast, 9,218 of the, uh, which is 78, almost 79% of eligible WGA members setting a new record for both participation and the percentage of support in a strike authorization vote. So our membership has spoken, said the WGA and the negotiating committee. And so you need to get this deal done, okay? They, they started this talks, or these talks on a new deal with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers March 20th. And it's going to have to get into high gear. Uh, otherwise there's going to be a strike and uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we might not get any new shows. Oh no. What will we do? Will we have people walking across the line? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'll write for them. Uh, e- email me chewing the fat at the blaze.com. Uh, you can direct message me on Twitter at Jeffy JFR or Instagram and Facebook is Jeff Fisher radio. Uh, no problem. I'll break that picket line. <laughs> Damn union people. So what they want is they want increased minimum compensation significantly to address the devaluation of writing in all areas of television, new media, and features. Yeah, the devaluation of writing in all areas of television, new media, and features. Okay, so we want minimum compensation. Uh, We want standardized compensation and residual terms for features, whether released theatrically or on streaming. Uh, Address the abuses of mini rooms. Oh, I don't know what that is. Uh, I'd like to know what the abuses of mini rooms are. Uh, Ensure appropriate television series writing compensation throughout entire process of pre-production, production, production, and post-production. Expand span project protections to cover all television writers. Expand span protections to cover all television writers. Apply MBA minimums to comedy variety programs made for new media. Increased residuals for undercompensated reuse markets. Restrict uncompensated use of excerpts. Okay. Uh, Increased contributions to pension plan and health fund. They want uh, for feature contracts in which compensation falls below a specified threshold. Require weekly payment of compensation at a minimum of two steps. Strengthen regulation of options on exclusivity in television writer employment contracts. Regulate use of material produced using artificial intelligence or similar technologies. That's a big one. Uh, they want to regulate that because AI is going to come in and a jet chat GPT is going to be doing their job. And they are scared about that and they should be. Uh, that's that's now that needs to be that needs to be in there for sure. Enact measures to combat discrimination and harassment and to promote pay equity. Is, is that really an issue? I, I, okay, I guess. Okay, revive and expand all arbitrator lists. Okay, great. I still want to know what mini rooms are and what the abuses of the mini rooms are. <laughs> if you are part of the Writers Guild of America, please email me, chewingthefatoftheblaze.com, or reach out to me on social media and let me know what a mini room is. I, mean, I can I can only imagine what it is. And I have some I have a pretty good imagination. And I'd like to know what the abuses of the mini rooms are. Because we need to address the abuses of mini rooms. This is part of their Part of their deal that they're working on as far as getting a new contract. <laughs> I don't know. Is the mini room a place where they get sodas and drinks? Or is it, uh, you know, a business room? I don't know. I'm asking. I just, I want to know. I want to know what a mini room is. What the abuses of the mini room 
are and how do we address those abuses. I don't know if there were any mini-room abuses in the making of the Super Mario Brothers movie, but it was number one again this past weekend, $92 million. Uh, Congratulations to Super Mario Brothers. It's now uh, globally over $700 million. So that's pretty good for them. (laughs) They're pretty excited. Uh, That's been, uh, that's a global milestone. So after 13 days of release, yeah. So so far, only 12 Hollywood releases have managed to surpass the 700 million mark since the pandemic. Okay, so we're marking it as the pandemic. Uh, Mario currently stands as the second biggest animated film of the pandemic behind Minions, The Rise of Gru, which is $942.5 million. Wow. So good for them. I see where, um, so Super Mario Brothers number one. John Wick, number two, with, I mean, he made, I don't know, two and a half million, three and a half, wouldn't know what he made, two, uh, five, six, seven, eight million this past weekend. Glo- uh, domestically made 160 million. Uh, still hanging in there pretty good. And our very own Steve Dace, uh, his movie, Nefarious, uh, looks like it made uh, over a million, almost a million and a half this weekend. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad for Nefarious. I will say that he had like nine, a little over 900 theaters and um, Super Mario Brothers had 4,371. So I would say, uh, let's see, John Wick Chapter 4 had over 3,000 theaters. Uh, so let me just say that uh, Nefarious, well, with only 933 theaters, that seems to be uh, not bad. <laughs> if you were to triple that, uh, triple the uh, theater placement, I'm guessing that you would at least triple your income. At least that would be the hope, right? So that is not the case yet. I'm told it's I'm told it's really, really good, so go and see Steve's new movie, Nefarious. Air is hanging in there. They've made 33 million, uh, 33 and a half million domestically. Okay, that's, I don't know that that's good or bad. I don't know what they spent on that movie. I feel like they spent... Uh, more than that on that movie. <laughs> uh, I just feel like they've spent more than that. And uh, the number three movie this weekend was The Pope's Exorcist. I have not seen that. And I, I would like to see that. The Pope's Exorcist. That made, uh, it's nine million domestic. Uh, that might be worth a watch. That might be fun to watch. Oh yeah, exorcisms. <laughs> I am a fan. And I'm not sure what that movie is about because I do know that uh, the Catholic Church has their, uh, you know, their secret on the down low exorcism priests around and they that's what they do. So maybe the Pope has his own special, maybe that's what this is about. Yeah. And this has got my man in it, Russell Crowe too. One of my favorite, how do I not know about this movie? What am I doing with my life? Uh, the Pope's Exorcist is about the life of Father Gabriel Amor. A famous Catholic Church exorcist. Yeah, this is uh, he's the James Bond of exorcists. <laughs> uh, his work has influenced many, inspiring renewed interest in demonic possession and exorcism. Yeah, and this is my man Russell Crowe. So I would definitely see this and give you a review because, uh, man, nothing says a good time like a good exorcism. Right? Am I right? Who is with me?
real-time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So alleged Chinese spies were arrested from the FBI or by the FBI yesterday and charged uh, for running an unauthorized police station in Manhattan to monitor and intimidate critics of the Chinese government. They charged two two individuals for this. I guess that's a long charge. (laughs) Uh, We're going to charge you with running an unauthorized police station in Manhattan to monitor and intimidate critics of the Chinese government. The operation apparently has not been up and running since last year after the pair realized the FBI was hot on their trail. The FBI was so hot on their trail that it took them a year to arrest them. Anyway, now federal prosecutors charge the men with conspiring to act. Oh, here's the charge. Okay, sorry. Uh, charged the men with conspiring to act as agents of the Chinese government. They are also being charged for obstructing justice, for deleting messages with a Chinese official. Chinese uh, China's embassy in Washington previously dismissed the claims of secret police stations. So, got that going on. No worries. Uh, speaking of... Uh, Speaking of the Chinese, I see last week on Friday, I asked, hey, where's Mitch McConnell? Hey, where's John Fetterman? Well, thanks to chewing the fat, asking those questions on Friday, they came back to work. They came back to work yesterday. Good for them. Uh, Mitch McConnell is back. John Fetterman is back. Uh, He came back to work looking spry as ever with his shorts and his hoodie on. (laughs) <laughs> I kind of like it. I don't know. It kind of, it makes me feel like, you know, I know they're supposed to have the suit and tie and there's etiquette and you know, there's protocols and stuff, but I kind of like it. I don't know. I don't like him, but I kind of like the idea of, hey, I'm showing up. I'm a senator, but I'm here to do my people's work. And this is who I am. I'm uh, wearing my shorts and my hoodie and uh, I'm still a senator. So back off me. I kind of like that. It didn't look like the picture. It looked like the goiter is gone. It uh, looks like uh, at least it's gone down. I mean, you can't really see this. I stopped it a couple times, the video of him walking into, uh, into the Capitol and uh, into the Senate building. And uh, I, uh, it looks like it's down. Uh, there certainly isn't as large as it was. So I don't know if it was removed, if they sucked all the goiter juice out. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, it takes a while. He was in the hospital for a while for depression. And while you're there, hey, let's just go ahead and remove the goiter goo from the back of your neck, okay? Might as well. What are you going to do? Say no? I mean, you're already there. <laughs> so it looked like they took care of that for him. So good news for your for us uh who you know want the senate to take care of the the people's business is uh well the state's business i take care of the state's business uh which in turn is actually the people's business but i digress uh they're back at it uh good i mean i'm happy to happy that there was reports that mitch was going to retire i saw a report that he was going to retire and so i don't know if he's going to pull the plug or not i don't know how he's walking i don't know how his ribs are i don't know if he's 100 percent rehabbed 
Uh, we got uh, Fetterman uh, looking as spry as ever, walking around with his shorts on and his hoodies. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But they're back. They're back at it. Uh, good, good news for you and me and the Senate that Mitch McConnell and John Fetterman are back. Another case that's kind of fascinating to me, uh, federal prosecutors arrested and charged Charlie Javis, founder of the uh, now defunct college financial planning site, Frank, uh, with four counts of fraud. They arrested him the other day. Uh, The SEC also filed civil charges, not the uh, Southeastern Conference but the Securities and Exchange Commission, they filed civil charges against Javis, who, uh, I mean, a couple years ago, he's on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. He's Mr. On Fire. So J.P. Morgan bought Frank, the college financial planning site, for $175 million in 2021. And they bought it because they wanted to gain access to this huge email list. Now, months later, J.P. Morgan sued Charlie Javis, claiming that Frank's client roster, the site's client roster, was bogus. J.P. Morgan said it realized that 4.25 million users the founder had touted uh, that were not true. Uh, it tried to email 400,000 of them. 70% of those bounced back. <laughs> uh, okay, I mean, people give uh, wrong email addresses. What am I supposed to do? Check everyone. Uh, the bank alleges that less than 10% of the Frank client college financial planning site user base was real. And of course, I mean, Javis has denied the accusations. I mean, I've got, I got, they sent me the email addresses. What am I supposed to do after that? Those are the email addresses I got. So prosecutors now claim that Javis tried to convince an employee to pad the customer numbers, which were allegedly closer to 300,000. When the employee raised legal concerns, Javis assured them we don't want to end up in orange jumpsuits. Oh, so he's just saying, we'll be fine. We're not We're not going to end up in orange jumpsuits. Eh, uh, okay. You say so, Charlie. <laughs> so good luck. Good luck with that. We'll see how that case goes. Then we still have an ongoing case with the rust. Uh, the lawsuit uh, that uh, is uh, wrapped around our main man, Alec Baldwin. He's being sued now by Helena Hutchins' family. And he's now asked that that be thrown out. Uh, he's saying that, uh, look, uh, it's tough for the family, but they have been distanced from her physically, financially, and emotionally for years Okay, so back off me. The loss of a daughter and sister is undoubtedly painful in any circumstance. Well, that's absolutely true. Yet plaintiffs who have been distanced from Helena, physically, financially, and emotionally, for years before her death, have no viable cause of action against the defendants. So our man Alec pretty much says back off me he's saying that it is a uh, uh, misguided suit to obtain compensation over hutchins death in october of 2021 on the film of rust outside of santa fe so we'll see we'll see what happens they're just trying to get some more cash from from our man so good luck 
to Alec Baldwin. I do follow him on Instagram. Uh, I've told you that before. It's his name, Insta, on Instagram. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it ends with Insta, okay? I-N-S-T-A. And it begins with his name. <laughs> now, I follow him because I want to see what this douche is doing. And I will say that I never... Or rarely, now I have to say rarely, do I actually like a post from him. But he posted the other day, uh, people often ask me about what is my favorite movie I ever made. And I honestly don't have one. Movies are rarely an actor's medium, uh, now more so than ever. So for me, it's the experience. Filming The Edge, and he shares a clip from the movie The Edge, which I loved. was a great movie. Uh, it's with uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins as well. Uh, it, th- these two are, are great. I love his work. I, I love his work. So uh, he claims here that it was uh, the stunning grandeur of our locations, covering much of Alberta and the chance to be with this guy. The opportunity to work with Tony was priceless. So this is one of my one, uh, this, this, so this one is my favorite. Okay. So he lied. (laughs) Uh, It was a memorable time and Tony, my hero was a joy. So he lied. I can honestly say I don't have one. Then he goes on to say, so this one is my favorite. You do have one douche. I might take my like back now. Although I love the movie, the edge, it's the bear movie. Uh, really good. I, 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 if you haven't seen it, see it. And then maybe at some point we'll talk about it again. I mean, it's been out a long time. That movie is, is a long time ago. So I'm not being a spoiler or anything. It's called The Edge with Anthony Hopkins and uh, Alec Baldwin. All right, so who died today? Who died today? Uh, 70s rock star Cliff Fish. Cliff Fish, you know him, you love him. Dead at the age of 73. Rest in peace, Cliff Fish. You remember him from the band Paper Lace. (laughs) Paper Lace, yeah, I know. Uh, Daddy was a cop. (laughs) <laughs> so the night Chicago died. Oh my gosh, that song was everywhere. My grandfather used to play that for me all the time. And the other big hit that Paper Lace had was Billy Don't Be a Hero. Huge. So he's uh, he had a battle the last couple of years with cancer. And obviously he lost that battle. Uh, the family said that it was uh, two difficult years. But uh, he faced challenges of cancer with bravery, courage, and lived his life to the fullest he possibly could right to the end. Phil Wright, one of the founding members of Paper Lace, well, they were part of Music Box, and then they turned into Paper Lace, uh, had these words to say. I've known him since 1967 when I joined the band, which eventually became Paper Lace. My heart goes out to the family I have come to know and love. Elaine, his wife, and his two sons, John and Rob. The world will be a darker darker place from now on. Cliff, you will be missed by me and all the people who knew you. Very kind. Um, Cliff Fish, dead at the age of 73. 
So all kinds of uh, Kenyans in the news. <laughs> uh, congratulations to the male and female Kenyans who won the Boston Marathon. Uh, I mean, uh, the winner uh, won uh, two hours, five minutes, and 50 seconds. Shabet with the win at the oldest and most prestigious marathon. And then we have uh, Helen Obri. O-B-I-R-I, a two-time Olympic silver medalist in the 5,000 meters, won the women's race in two hours, 21 minutes, and 38 seconds. It's a Kenyan sweep. Kenyans, Kenyans, Kenyans. Uh, congratulations to uh, to the Kenyans who won the uh, male and female uh, side of the Boston Marathon. Now, one more Kenyan in the news. Uh, Kenyan chess player has been expelled after pretending to be a woman. I think we're not having none of that in Kenya, okay? Uh, a mysterious participant in the women's section of the Kenya Open Chess Championship in Nairobi was exposed as a male imposter and removed from the tournament. The player, whose identity was not made public, admitted to the cheating and said it was motivated by financial problems. So he just figured he could, you know, pretend to be a woman and win the chess match. I don't think it had, I, I don't think you can, there's a difference between male and female players, but apparently so. I don't know why they break it up in chess. I mean, it should be equal, right? I mean, for sure equal in chess, men and women playing each other, but not in Kenya. Uh, we're not having it in Kenya, okay? And don't be coming in here claiming you're a woman when you're not. <laughs> not in Kenya, so you're going to get out of here, okay? So he raised suspicion when he won two games in a row. I, I don't know why. Including a win against the former national champion, Gloria Jumba, uh, who is rated 1,487. Uh, before losing to the Ugandan top player, which is rated at 1702. But So they won a couple of, uh, a couple of big games, and then he lost. So that's what I'm saying. He raised suspicion. Uh, so I guess... Men are better than women. My gosh, men are better than women at just about everything. No, stop it. I don't see where there's so much the difference between chess, male and female, but in Kenya, there is. So don't do it, okay? So if you're thinking about going to Kenya and pretending to be a woman to win the money from the chess tournament, uh, don't do it because you're going to get kicked out. He was wearing a hijab each day. Uh, left his glasses on and at the end of the games he wouldn't talk to anyone when registering for the tournament uh, he never uttered a word and simply wrote on a paper his name uh, the chief arbiter told chess.com that the staff initially was cautious to interfere as they were taking into account the possibility that they were dealing with an orthodox Muslim woman however as the tournament went underway both players and arbiters noticed that the person in question had an odd walking style and was wearing shoes commonly used by men <laughs> uh, so they decided to take the player to a private room and said hey we need some documentation alright are you a woman or what Wow, that would not fly here in the United States, man. That's how far we're gone. But not in Kenya. Uh, we're not having that, okay? We are not having that there. And so the Kenya Open Tournament has a total prize fund of $42,000. There are 10 prizes in the women's section, which has a first prize of 500,000 Kenyan shillings. And so the first prize is 1 million Kenyan shillings. So it, it attracted seven international grandmasters. 
and the imposter player who has an international classical rating close to 1500 and a blitz rating close to 1750 has been expelled from the tournament pending disciplinary action oh no and the points that he scored were reversed and awarded to his opponents so don't do it (laughs) don't go into nairobi thinking you can pretend that you're a woman when you're not okay don't do it (laughs) so silly in the united states uh, you get away with that guaranteed in today's world 100 percent all right, I'm going to leave you with uh, my joke of the day. It's an oldie but goodie. I know I've shared this with you at some point in the past because I found myself laughing at this. It makes its rounds through my social media feeds from time to time. And I found myself laughing, LOLing uh, this weekend. So I'm going to share it with you again here on Chewing the Fat. My wife and I went into town to shop. When we came out, there was a cop writing out a parking ticket. We went up to him and I said, come on, man, how about giving a senior citizen a break? He just ignored us and continued writing the ticket. I called him a butthead. He glared at me and started writing another ticket for having worn out tires. So my wife called him a jerk and he finished the second ticket and put it on the windshield with the first and then he started writing more tickets. This went on for about 20 minutes. The more we offended him, the more tickets he wrote. He finally finished, sneered at us and walked away. Just then, Our bus arrived, and we got on it and went home. We try to have a little fun each day now that we're retired, so it's important at our age. (laughs) See what I mean? That made me LOL again. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.